You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Friday, and this is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Jason Fitz flying solo. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests are going to join us on the Goodyear hotline. And look, I guess I just owe everybody an apology. Uh, at some point, you got to look at it and say, hey, I think maybe we hoodwinked everybody. Everybody sat there and said this was going to be the year of unprecedented change. This was going to be the year that everything changed at the quarterback position. We were going to see teams go from one to the other. There was going to be this renewed hope all across the spectrum. And today, as Alex Smith was released from the Washington football team, it finally hit me. It finally hit me that there isn't going to be great change. And what we're going to look at are about a bunch of mid-level quarterbacks that are replacing each other. I'm not sure that's enough for everybody to truly get excited about. Now, I understand that what happens with the quarterback position isn't just about the quarterback. It's about hope. And when you think about the way you feel about your team coming into the season, your whole team can be hot garbage. But if the guy behind center, the guy that's taking the football, if you feel like you got the guy there, you feel like you got a chance, right? So uh, all of a sudden, what we want sometimes is change for the sake of change. We just want somebody new to get in there because we feel like there's a renewed level of hope. And I understand that sometimes change makes you feel like things are going to be different this time. I always go to the relationship analogies because, frankly, that's what it feels like for fan bases and their quarterbacks. You know, there's this moment where you suddenly have decided that the person you're in a relationship with is awful and you need to get in a new one. And that new one's going to be so good, it's going to be so much better. And that's what we sold you, all of us. We turned around and said, you know what's going to happen this year? This year there's going to be so much movement that we're going to find quarterbacks going all over the place and new teams are going to rise to the top and there'll be the chance to contend. All of this was supposed to happen. And now it's hit me. It's not going to. Now think about it. Deshaun Watson is probably going to stay in Houston. I, I, I would love to think that he doesn't stay in Houston. I would love to think that Deshaun puts his feet down and says, hey, I will not come back here. And if that happens, that would be one. That would be one. But Dak Prescott, probably going to get franchised again uh, for the Cowboys, right? You start going up and down the board and figuring out what we're looking at. And I think what hit me is that we've seen the biggest names that are going to move already move. Stafford going to L.A. Goff going to the Lions. Is that supposed to be the big thing? Is that what's got everybody excited? Wentz to the Colts. Those are your three big names. In a year that was going to be unprecedented change, Maybe what we're going to get is unprecedented movement of mediocrity. That's Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And when you start thinking about mediocrity, I guess there's levels here. There's a range, right? So when you start thinking about what it means for your team, you got to look around and say, well, what's really going to happen? Who's available? I mean, Todd McShay put out his most recent mock draft, and he had quarterbacks going with all four of the top four picks. Now, I'll tell you later in the show why I think Todd's lost his mind. But before we even get into that... What you have to look at is, okay, the Falcons. Let's say they take Trey Lance with the fourth overall pick, as Todd has mocked. If that happens, Trey Lance is not starting for Atlanta this year. Trey Lance, uh, by the way, coming out of North Dakota State, right? He's not going to start. They're going to keep Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan will start, and they'll work that bridge out, and they'll suddenly change quarterbacks next year. I mean, if you're the Falcons, you're going to bet your entire franchise right now on somebody that played one game that was meh. Last year in college football, probably not. I mean, what are we talking about? Teddy Bridgewater moving for Alex Smith, moving for Mitchell Trubisky? That doesn't seem like the excitement we've been selling you. And it's like when you go get fast food, right? Half the time, unless you're going to Wendy's, of course, half the time when you go get fast food, you look at the picture on the menu and you think, oh my God, look at how perfect that looks. 
That is the best looking sandwich I've ever seen in my life. And then when you order it, you get it, you take it out of the bag, it's been smushed, it's kind of lukewarm, it doesn't look anything like the picture, and you're thinking, this is not what I stood in line for 20 minutes to get. That's where we are with the quarterbacks. And I'm not saying there's not any value. I'm not saying that Alex Smith can't be very good. In fact, Louis Riddick, our great ESPN NFL analyst, talked about what he thinks Alex Smith can do for other teams when he said this. I think Alex is a tremendous mentor. I think Alex would be a tremendous bridge quarterback at this point in time. Obviously, people are going to really con- try and connect the dots between him and Chicago, given his familiarity with Matt Nagy and that system that they run in Chicago like it was in Kansas City. I don't think that's, a, that's the option that they're looking for. But look, I have nothing but infinite respect for Alex Smith, and any team would be better served having him in their, in their quarterback room for sure. Now, Lewis could talk about football all day, and I'd want to listen to it, and he's right. But if Sarah were here tonight, do you think Sarah would be doing cartwheels in the street ready to throw a parade to have Alex Smith be the quarterback of the Bears next year? Uh, it's a great story, but is, it, is he the guy that's suddenly going to turn everything around? We have to look at some point at what the cupboard's giving us, and all we're doing is shifting mediocre ingredients from one side to the other. Mitchell Trubisky is not going to be somebody that everybody jumps up and down for. Sam Darnold has got his share of issues. We're going to have to make a justification, a yeah, but for any quarterback at this point that's going from from one team to the other that's not named Deshaun and that's not named Dak. And in that, or, or Russ, we'll put Russ in that category too. I guess I don't include Russell Wilson because I'm convinced he's not going anywhere and this is just a ploy. All right. So if we take those big names out, what's left? You look across the spectrum. There's got to be some portion here for Broncos fans where you just accept the fact that Drew Locke is likely to be your starter next year. Hey, 49ers fans, guess what? Jimmy G may, very may well be your starter next year. You keep going up and down the spectrum of what we're looking at at the quarterback position. I don't know that there's anything there that's worth getting hyped for. We hyped change because change feels new. Change feels different. Change feels like the opportunity to feel like this year isn't going to just run it back. But realistically, when you think top to bottom of who's available, when you think top to bottom of what's out there, Alex Smith might be the best of the remaining bunch. Now, tell me this. When it comes mid-August and you're getting ready for your season, you're going out there and you're saying, hey, you trash-talking your buddies because you have Alex Smith as your quarterback? Man, I, I love the story of Alex Smith. I love the comeback element of Alex Smith. I love everything that we could possibly see about the human being, Alex Smith. And frankly, his play was pretty good at times last year. But what we've been selling you for the last month is unprecedented change, not behind the concept of pretty good, but behind the concept of franchise changing. Maybe it's time for all of us to reset our expectations and realize that the change we're going to see is going to be about numbers, possibly, about movement of the number of quarterbacks. But man, change for the sake of change? Movement for the sake of new mediocrity? Oh, that is a dangerous, dangerous path because it gives you just enough hope to think that this year's going to be different When in reality, it's probably not. That's some straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise. We're just getting rolling. You guys can get involved in the conversation, by the way. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We'll take your calls. We'll get your thoughts. Maybe I'm wrong. And uh, we'll talk to Field Yates in just a few minutes. I'll get Field's thoughts on all things NFL. Maybe he sees this a different way. But coming up next, it is All-Star Weekend in the NBA. But maybe there's a problem with that league that needs to be fixed 
We'll debate it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Annual rite of passage to discuss what's wrong with Major League Baseball and how to fix it. But maybe we're talking about the wrong sport. Maybe it's time to start having a deep dive conversation into what's wrong with the NBA. Because as good and as talented as these players are, it's not getting the hype I think it should. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. So, I was watching, as so many people were, uh, the all-star selections. And let me start off by saying these teams are spectacular. And, you know, this is what we wanted. We wanted to get the opportunity to see the draft go down. You have Team LeBron versus Team Durant, even though KD won't play, be playing in the game because of injury. He still gets to pick his team. So Team LeBron gives us Giannis, Steph, Luka Doncic, and Nikola Jokic, in addition to LeBron as the starters. Uh, Team Durant gives us Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, and Jason Tatum as their starters. Uh, Clearly advantage Team LeBron. I mean, we can all agree on that. Um, And obviously a lot of fun to watch all of this go down as they choose who's going to be playing. Not lost on anybody that the two players from the Jazz were the last two players selected, so that's only going to continue the ever-growing chip on Utah Jazz's shoulders as they try and figure out why nobody gives them the respect they deserve. But that being said, what really hit me was the number of brands I just mentioned. And I, and I mean the word brand. When you talk about LeBron, and you talk about Giannis, and you talk about Steph, and you talk about Luka, I just did share there. I just did the share thing. Like one name tells you everything you need to know. KD tells you everything you need to know. Embiid. Like there are just these are one name icons currently within the NBA that are absolutely playing basketball like it's a video game, and they're incredible to watch. The level of talent is absolutely insane. So where's the hype? Because we constantly talk about Major League Baseball and what's wrong. We talk about marketing their stars. Well, that's not a problem the NBA has. But it doesn't feel like this year we're getting that same level of you know connection to a regular season. Now, I want to bring Cliff, producer extraordinary, extraordinaire, into the conversation. Because, Cliff, you're a big NBA head. And, and I love that about you because you are in, engrossed in the NBA constantly. So... Maybe I'm wrong. You tell me if I'm wrong. Is is the league getting as much hype this year as usual? They're not getting as much hype this year, but me personally as a Sixers fan, there's a ton of hype around that. But I think the hype is probably due to how short the turnaround was. And on top of that, there seems to be like some weird level of disinterest from fans all across the board, especially during the NFL season as well. So I'm like, there's a, there's a ton of factors that are going into this. Um, but it seems like it seems like a lot of guys aren't even like resting either. But remember, Katie's still out. Le- uh, AD is still out. Like there's been stars that have been out too. So I think there's a there's a ton of contributing factors to the level of interest for the NBA. Well, and and you make some good points, Cliff, because you know there is a little bit of fatigue when you have such a quick turnaround from a championship in the bubble that felt so strange, and now you get back into it. I thought that post NFL season, the numbers for the NBA would go up dramatically because we are still in this world where everybody's looking for entertainment wherever they can get it. So it made sense in my mind that we would get some of that. Unfortunately, that's not happening. And this has been a long-term trend. In fact, I'll credit The Athletic with a great article that talks about not just the ratings, which have been virtually flat for the NBA this year versus most years, but also the revenue for the NBA. When you start talking about the All-Star Game broadcast, particularly 
the revenue has been down drastically each of the last several years, and they think it's going to continue to trend that way. There's less advertising being sold, less money being spent. People just aren't watching at the same level. Now, we've talked about the fact that I think the incredible athleticism that we see sort of negates the the dunk contest the way it used to be. And if you watch the NBA on any given night, you're watching a three-point contest. So I, I get all of those things. But I guess I thought last year was supposed to be the year of the dynamic duo, which would give us competitive balance. And this year, I keep thinking about you know the, the level of stardom that we're getting that feels like it should be a compelling story. I mean, whether it's compelling up or compelling down, there should be some level of connection. Boston is not playing as well as possible. For a fanatical fan base, I would think that that would be a draw, a top, a topic that is constantly being talked about everywhere. And conversely, Cliff, like you said, Philly playing really well, right? So I would think that these are the, the things that the storylines that usually dominate. But, you know, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it cut through to the same level. By the way, you guys can tell me I'm wrong. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. I really want to know, are you as dialed into the NBA this year as you usually are? Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. There are so many interesting storylines when you think about what we usually talk about with the NBA. Look at the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks are that franchise, and I've said repeatedly, I think the Knicks have become irrelevant. You know, you're no longer going to be able to sell the brand of the Knicks to kids that have grown up and not seen good basketball from them. So do they really care about what the Knicks did before they were even born? I don't think it resonates the same way. And now you can go play in Brooklyn instead of playing for the Knicks. You can play for the Nets, who right now look like they're in a better situation to go out and get things done. So, you know, the, you, you look at that and say, OK, the Knicks coming in and playing with a young core. And being a 500 basketball team, that wasn't expected. Like That to me should be a talking point. That should be a yelling point. That's the the sort of thing that suddenly takes everybody over. And it did for like a day. And and so I can't even look at market size. Cliff, is is there any fatigue in your mind for the fact that we just saw the Lakers and the Clippers and now everybody thinks it's just going to be the Lakers running it back? Like, does repetitiveness hurt the league? Yo, I was just, I was actually just thinking this too. It's like... Is it is this back to like the time when the Warriors were running things for the, that five year stretch where they were going to the finals where we just don't believe in the Jazz as being a real contender out west and we think the Lakers are ultimately going to be there at the end of the day. But now with the acquisition of Harden out in Brooklyn, they look damn near unstoppable and they haven't even had the second best player in the league playing for them during this whole entire stretch. Like, is the streamline of the Nets playing the Lakers in the finals make the NBA less interesting to some degree? Or is it? Are people not interested in the basketball that's being played? Because this might be the highest quality basketball ever be played in the NBA. Uh, now, see, I agree with what you just said there. The level of athleticism, and it wasn't that long ago that we were sitting down. If you ask some of the guys that work for us, some of our best NBA analysts, to make a list of the best players under the age of twenty six a year ago, that was very difficult to do. And you start thinking about the young star player that the athleticism to the game. It's beautiful to watch. I mean. I can turn on any game right now and feel like I'm watching something that is fun and interesting, you know. But you, the the part that's hard for me on the Lakers side of it is that 
heroes and villains are what sells, right? Like the Warriors were a hero until they added KD and then they became a villain. And when you have somebody easy to root for or against, it works. You know, whether you are pro Brady or anti Brady in the NFL, everybody has an opinion on Brady. So suddenly it becomes the easiest thing in the world to talk about heroes and villains. And that's part of why I believe that over time, the Chiefs will sort of wear everybody out in the NFL and people will decide that there's something wrong with their dominance and it'll become that story. When you think about the NBA this year, the reason I thought it would resonate more, especially after Harden went to Brooklyn, was there's the ultimate heroes versus villains team. I mean, you are talking about, uh, I haven't seen enough of the superhero movies to know, but you're talking about all the good guys, in theory, on one team, and all the bad guys, in theory, on the other. It's really easy to turn around and look at Brooklyn and say, well, Kyrie, KD, Harden, oh my God. Like, that is everything you could want. When you talk about the team that will get people fired up to root against, if that's where you want to go, right? It gives you the easy bad guy. And then you've got the Lakers on the other side, which in theory can give you the easy good guy. I mean, that, that's why I thought it would really resonate, but it isn't. Matt in Ohio, thanks for calling the show, Matt. What do you got? Hey, yeah, so I'm, a, uh, I'm an Ohio guy, and I've always been a LeBron fan. And I watched a lot of basketball, but I'm, I'm pretty casual of a, of a fan. But I always watch because of LeBron. So even when he went to Miami, I still followed it. And don't get me wrong, I still love him out in L.A. And to your point about good guys and bad guys, I just don't have the time to be up until midnight every night watching the, bat- or watching the good guys. It, I just don't have time for it. And see, that, that is a point that we've heard a lot, and I don't think you're wrong. You know, Matt, the funny thing is I never got that. For anybody that's not in the Eastern time zone listening, you know, uh, when I was living in Nashville and I heard people talk about late tip-offs, I, I sort of scoffed at it and I laughed at it. And then I moved to Connecticut with ESPN, and the more time I spend on the East, the more I realize like, that's a real thing. I mean, when you're talking about late-night tips, you are making a real decision. You've got a destination watch a game. You've got to decide you really, really want to be a part of it. You guys can tweet me, at Jason Fitz, tweet the show, at Spain and Fitz, and we'll keep taking your calls throughout the course of the night. 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. When the players are better than they've ever been, and when the basketball is absolutely being played at such a high level. And when you've got stars all over the league at this level and it's not resonating better, I think there is a problem that the NBA needs to figure out. And they need to figure out how to fix it because this is a golden opportunity. We always talk about teams not wasting windows. This is a window of growth and absolutely a window of stardom for the NBA. If they don't find a better way to take advantage of it, it's the sort of thing that will resonate for years to come. All right, so uh, we're going to get you some MVP awards a little late in the show. We're going to have a little bit of fun with it. But coming up next, Field Yates going to join us. I'm going to get his thoughts on all things NFL. Am I wrong about quarterback movement? We'll ask an expert next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM. Channel 80, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive. And all of our guests appear on the Goodyear hotline. I've asked you guys, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you guys are hyped about the NBA, especially coming into All-Star Weekend. A couple of tweets have gotten. Tristan says, huge NBA fan, but it's hard to watch day-to-day when every other game's a blowout. Wake me up when the playoffs get here. I think that's become part of pop culture. We've become so enamored with, let's see it in the playoffs. It makes everything else discounted. And Chris says, try being in the military in a foreign country. 
trying to watch your favorite sports team. Chris, I just want to say thanks for your service, man, and appreciate you tweeting me. Keep them coming at Jason Fitz. In the meantime, we're going to switch gears and get back to the NFL because obviously the Alex Smith news has me thinking about the quarterback position and everything else. So let's go to the Goodyear Hotline where we're joined by Field Yates. It's Friday Football with Field. Field, thanks so much for the time, man. Appreciate you hanging out with us. I said it earlier, for all the talk about quarterback movement, I think there's a real chance that we're not really going to see any big names going anywhere and it's just going to be kind of stagnant. Am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong, Fitz. You know, and I don't want to tell people, like, don't tune into the coverage for the next few weeks. But I do wonder if this is an offseason that's about more hype than actual substance, right? Um, Russell Wilson, that's a classic story, right? So Russell Wilson has sort of taken one step out from Seattle. He has named the four teams that he would accept a trade to. However, he doesn't actually want to be traded, hasn't demanded one, right? So what is the most likely outcome given those circumstances? I tend to believe the most likely outcome is that the Seahawks and the Russ and Russ have some tough conversations and they iron things out and they run it back for at least 2021. You know, Deshaun Watson, I think will be fascinating, but push comes to shove fits. Only one team can acquire Deshaun Watson. So a lot of teams are going to wait and hold out hope they can be that lucky one, but only one team will actually acquire him if Houston does even change their stance. So I do wonder if this is an offseason that's got a lot of hype, but ultimately the moves that dominate the, uh, the eventual new league year, which technically begins on March 17th, will be players that are like honest-to-goodness free agents and not those that are currently trade candidates. With that being said, Phil, I keep saying that there is a clock in my mind for Houston because getting something done before the draft would make a hell of a lot more sense. I mean, it gives them the opportunity to start their next chapter right now instead of waiting a whole year to drag this out. I mean, is there, in your mind, better value pre-draft than there would be post-draft for Deshaun? Here's why I think there's better, better – I think there's better value pre-draft, and here's the reason why. Is And Fitz, I have no idea where he will end up going if he gets traded, period. But the two best offers, the two best offers by far are the Jets and the Dolphins. And here's the reason why I say that is, first of all, you always value picks in the current year more than picks in the future year because, I shouldn't say always, but usually all things being equal you do because there's a projection in future years. The Jets' first-round pick in 2022 is likely to be less valuable and the pick this year, because this year they have the second overall pick, right? So if you're the Texans and you could acquire either the second pick plus several other first-round picks from the Jets or the third pick from Miami, obviously, as we know, ironically, Houston's own pick, plus other first-rounders from Miami, that to me is a great deal. If the draft is over and you start tra- and you trade away Deshaun Watson for future first-round picks, like, yeah, that means you're going through an entire season of life without Deshaun Watson, and you can't even capitalize to add a young player in the meantime. So I think the best value to be had is before this year's draft. We're talking to Field Yates on Spain and Fitz. Jason Fitz flying solo tonight. So let's stick with the draft for a second, Field. We've had the opportunity to work on that event a lot over the last few years. I'm struggling to figure out how to evaluate players that opted out. So put your scouting hat back on and give me the mindset of how a team's going to go back on somebody that they may have limited film on, and then they took a year off of having any film at all. How do you scout that? Yeah, Fitz, I think it's going to be really interesting. I don't think it'll impact the players like Jamar Chase from LSU, Micah Parsons from Penn State, who were 
considered going into the year first round locks. And I don't imagine any scenario in which they aren't first round locks. Right. But it's going to impact some players for sure. And I've noticed this. This is one of those like inside baseball things that you keep track of is you go and look like the NFL had 69 total players opt out last year. I think like 10, 11, maybe even 12 of them have already been cut this offseason. Now, some of those guys were undrafted free agents fits, but like it's not like teams are purging their roster of other undrafted free agents that spent the year on the practice squad. Like it does feel like teams this year, like it impacts their thinking a little bit, and maybe it'll impact their thinking a little bit this upcoming uh, free agency and, I should, and then draft. Like are players as desirable in the draft? because you haven't had them for a year. Like, you know, you're still very much dynamic in terms of your growth from between the ages of 18 to 21. Like, who's to say that you've stayed in the proper football shape? Have you gotten stronger? Have you gotten, you know, less strong? Have you, what, what are the things that have changed for you over the past, not just, you know, five months during the college football season, but really you go back to from April 29th to December of 2019. That's what, 16 months, almost 17 full months. Field. That's why I keep thinking about if I were a GM, like at this point in my life, I'd go to basically anybody and say, look, just give me a frozen meal and a seltzer and you can have this pick. I don't want this first round pick. I'll take your next year's first round pick. Like this feels like the year to get out of the first round of the draft, doesn't it? No, here's the reason why Fitz is that I still think there are enough players that aren't impacted by the opt out at all, like a Jamar chase, plus really good players that played this year. And the other thing is that it might be easy for us to talk about like waiting a year and pushing things off. We're not the ones that are making decisions on these rosters though, right? Like you got all these coaches and GMs that are like agonizing over wins and losses for this upcoming year that I just think it's so tough on a coach or a GM to say, you know what? Next year, next year will be, will be better. Like so many coaches and GMs are under pressure to win right now that delaying something by a year even if there might be some benefit to it, it's just a really hard decision to actually make. Spain and Fitz, we're talking to Field Yates, Jason Fitz flying solo. And, uh, you know, these decisions obviously are on everybody's mind because we've hit that peak time of the year. Free agency starts in just a few weeks. The, the salary cap is lower than anyone could have expected a couple of years ago when contracts were being negotiated. But teams seem to find a way to get it done every single year. How does the lowered salary cap actually impact the way teams will handle the cap? So I think this fit is that I am convinced the great players will get paid like great players. Like if I'm Allen Robinson, potential free agent this year for the Chicago Bears, if he's not tagged, like I don't think he's going to get a four-year, $40 million contract. There might be a four-year, $80 million contract available for him. I think it's going to really impact the guys that, you know, in a different year might be signing for somewhere between three and $5 million. Like I just don't know that the middle tier of players is going to be available in the same way that it normally is. I think that um, there's, it, it, this is simple supply and demand. In this case, the supply is not free agents. It's money, right? I mean, there's just not nearly as much money. I mean, uh, GMs were planning when COVID was not a thing in our world. So a year ago, GMs were planning and projecting for the 2021 salary cap to be around $225 million. We're talking about a potentially decreasing by 20% 
to to $180 million, a 20% dip for teams. I mean, that is incredibly consequential to the point that I think that, you know, mid-tier players are going to be squeezed. You're going to see a lot more players cut between now and March 17th, and then you're going to see some of these guys have a harder time finding work than they normally would. Doesn't that lead to shorter contracts being a benefit for everybody in that tier? Like a one- or two-year deal suddenly helps a player because they'll get to get back on the open market when the cap's right, and it helps the team because they don't want to commit to money when they don't even know how much money, frankly, they'll have next year either. Yeah, no, I think that for sure we'll see an influx of one-year contracts. I think the big question will be, you know, when you have a one-year contract, how are you going to structure it? You know, in a lot of cases, you have a one-year contract, and let's say it's for $5 million, it's got a $5 million cap hit. Whereas when you have a multi-year deal, many teams, the overwhelming majority of teams in the NFL, structure it where the salary cap charge rises in future years because you'd project that there's more money to spend. So a guy that makes plays a three-year, $12 million deal, you might make the cap at $2 million in year one, $4 million in year two, and $6 million in year three because the cap is going up and the player might be improving year over year. If you just do one-year contracts, it does make things a little bit trickier to structure them. You have to create what are called void years in the NFL. That, again, is sort of getting into the weeds a little bit. But I do think the NFL will see you know plenty of players that in different years would sign reasonable mid-tier deals, multi-year deals. I think they'll see them settle for one-year contracts. Field, my friend, you are the best. I appreciate you giving me your time on a Friday. Thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend, brother. All right. I appreciate you, Fitz. Take care, man. Field's brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. You guys are driven. You want to chime in. I've said it. I don't think the NBA is getting the hype this year that it would usually get given the star power in the league. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me why. Tell me where you are on the NBA. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We'll take some of your calls on why you're not as hyped or why you are. We'll do that coming up. Plus, it's midseason, which means we get to give out some hardware. We'll give out midseason awards and get your take. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Yates, what's going on, buddy? How are you, man? I appreciate you giving us some time, man. I know it's a Friday night. You've got better things to do than talk football with me so i really ah, appreciate it i'll tell you what i'm doing tonight what i'm doing tonight is i'm going to dinner with gojo is what i'm doing tonight oh, oh it's fine i didn't need an invite no you guys go have a good time it's good it's fine it's good do you uh you get off before seven o'clock oh, i'm sorry you, you get <laughs> off at what, nine o'clock is that doing my math off wow spain and fits on espn radio the espn app series xm channel 80 presented by progressive insurance jason fits flying solo tonight all of our guests including Field Yates, join us on the Goodyear Hotline. That, for anybody that doesn't know, was a little bit of a sneak peek before I talked to Field on air. I had the chance to talk to him for a second, found out he's going to dinner tonight with Gojo, and I didn't get invited. So, you know, Field and, and Mike Golick Jr. are out having a fantastic dinner somewhere tonight, and uh, no, no, no invite coming my way, and uh, they're right down the road. So, Cliff, my level of offended should be, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm feeling like a 7.5 here. Is that feel appropriate? That that is super appropriate. Yo, I should be offended too. Uh, I, I thought those I thought those were my guys too, man. Like I can't get a call, I can't get an invite, I can't get a text, nothing, man. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, I if, I feel like if I text Field and ask him, you know, about the Raiders, he always texts me back. But if I you know text him and ask if he wants to go, you know, perhaps share you know break bread and share some quality time, 
crickets. Now they're out eating without me. Sarah's on vacation without me. It's, it's, it's lonely. It's lonely. Oh, shit, we'll, just, re- we'll just hang out together. How about that? Uh, uh, well, let's not go too far with it, uh, Cliff. Uh, let's keep things professional. ESPN Radio, <laughs> presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. I've been asking you guys, and you guys can chime in. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. I'm going to make the case, in my mind, that the NBA is not getting as much hype as I think it deserves. Frankly, we spend a lot of time trying to fix Major League Baseball. I'm not sure there isn't an issue to fix in the NBA. And this comes from seeing the all-star lineups of LeBron, Giannis, Steph, Luka, and Jokic all on one team. And then Team Durant gives you Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, AD. I mean, you start talking about the names that we're talking about here that's amazing. I didn't even mention Zion in there, too. Like, there is so much brand recognition. I would think with this level of stars, we'd be getting more NBA hype. Doesn't feel like it's happening. You tell me why. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. In the meantime, though, we are hitting All-Star Weekend. That means we're going to get some midseason awards. Cliff, are you ready to do this? You're going to help me out. We didn't really, uh, we didn't really talk about that, but Let's I feel like you should help me out in this process. Are you ready for some midseason award fun? Let's get it, man. I wanna, All I'm, right. I'm excited to hear your midseason awards. Like, I, I truly am pumped. Okay. Where oh, do you want to start? Do you, wait, time out. Do you hear this bed of music, though? Where, oh, my God. Does this bring you back to your childhood, Fitz? So, this is absolutely NBA Jam. And, uh, I, yes, it does bring me back to my childhood. What I need to find, like, so everybody has this video game, and I love it. But what I need is that video game system that has NBA Showtime and NFL Blitz on the same. But do you remember that from the arcade? Like it had yes. both of them. You could pick. I need that in my with life. The, I need the, to find some place to get that one. Yeah, you know what? There's a nice local establishment that I can take you out to one night if you want to hang out. I mean, we can we can figure all that out. No, uh, a thousand percent. Suddenly we are now hanging out. Do they have this video game? Because they, uh, you know, it, they it's, do in fact have this video game, and it's very fun to play. If we took like five of us, including Gojo and Field, could somebody distract them and you and I just take the video game system for ourselves? I think that's a good plan. Uh, I mean, they might get me faster than they might get you. Just put it that way. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll figure out the way to, to get this video game system to my house uh, after the show. But in the meantime, yeah, where do you want to start on All our right. midseason awards? I want to hear your coach of the year. Who you got? Okay. So this one was a, a tough one for me. But for coach of the year, I'm going to go with Tom Thibodeau. Tibbs. From the New York Knicks. And there's a couple of reasons here. One, I felt like Tibbs as a hire was sort of an eye roll. So when you see somebody that's getting this opportunity and and everybody questioned how many minutes he was going to drown out of everybody and whether or not he'd have a team that was going to respond, for all of that, he's got a very young Knicks team. And this is the Knicks still. It's a pressure cooker. So, yeah, I judge a little bit on the curve when you're in with the Knicks, knowing that ownership situation, knowing the pressure cooker, but you have young talent that's absolutely looked better than I expected I love the fact that R.J. Barrett's turning into a beast, which is great for the Knicks and for Knicks fans. So I like this. Plus, the Knicks have had a little bit of a lull in there, and then they've turned it back around. So the fact that he's been able to keep this young team not only focused but playing so well coming up to the break, I feel like he's the coach of the year. You like that pick? You know what? I do like your pick, but I'd actually rock out with Quinn Snyder of the Utah Jazz. I think what they did is very unexpected, and they, they do have the best record in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're right. That's probably a little bit of a brand bias going with New York over the Jazz. Now I'm part of the problem. Okay, what do we got next? All right, six man a year. Who you got? Well, let's give a little love here to the Jazz because this this one isn't even close. I mean, Jordan Clarkson is an absolute beast, and I looked up the numbers here. Averaging 18.2 points per game, which is already incredible, but he's doing it in 26 minutes. You talk about a level of efficiency. 
I mean, I know that the Jazz score a ton of points, so it's easy to look at guys that are having big numbers and say that it's not about them, but I think Clarkson's a big part of why they are scoring those points. And by the way, he's still effective on the other side too. So uh, I, I look at Jordan Clarkson clearly as the sixth man of the year. Yeah, I like to pick. I actually agree with you too. I saw him drop like 40 on the Sixers, so <laughs> Yeah, there's no <laughs> argument for me there. All right. It all comes back to the Sixers. As long as I give the Sixers love, I'll get the approval. I, I was going to say, I need to stop talking about the Sixers here. Anyways, who's who's the best team you got so far? Okay, so this is unfair to say because right now, I mean, you can make the argument that the Jazz are the best team. But, I, I mean, when everybody's healthy, the best team's the Lakers. So I, I, I'm not going to overcomplicate this. Like, I know that the Lakers have not looked great, and I know that they have some issues, and everybody still thinks that they're going to need to do something at the trade deadline. But when you give me a healthy AD and a healthy LeBron for a team that absolutely had nothing to play for in the first half of the season, coming off a short rest because of where they were, like, I'm, I'm going LeBron all day, every day. So I feel like that's the, I, I feel pretty strong about it, even though it's might be controversial. You good with that? Eh, I'm actually not. Remember, so. Why did LeBron play the Jazz last night? You know why he played the Jazz last night when saying no one cares about the Jazz? It's because they're better than the Lakers this year. That's why. The Jazz have been absolutely the best team so far in this first half of the season. Well, yeah. But are they they have played the best, but are they the best? I don't know. I mean, if you had to bet, you know, Field, Yates, and Mike Golick Jr.'s houses on a series right now, one game between the Jazz and the Lakers, everybody healthy, who you taking? 100% 100% I'm taking the Lakers all day. Okay, perfect. That, that's, that, that's good. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz, flying solo. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. We're doing some NBA midseason award. Cliff helping us out. All right, Cliff, what do you got next? All right, your rookie idea. Who you got? This one isn't even a, a, a question, right? Like, LaMelo has been everything that we thought LaMelo would be and more uh, playing for Charlotte, and it's easy to get lost playing for Charlotte, but averaging 15.7, six boards a game, 6.4 assists per game, that all leads the league for l- rookies. But the biggest part for me is that not only is Charlotte sitting at the AC, but LaMelo has made it look easy the entire time. There are certain guys that the minute they get in the NBA, there doesn't seem to be an adjustment. That's how I felt about Luka. That's how I felt about Zion and Ja. That's how I feel about LaMelo at this point. I, he's effortless, and he's absolutely dominating. Listen, who's the real Mellow? Mellow Ball or Carmelo Anthony? Mellow Ball. <laughs> Anyways, also, hey, come, uh, also Fitz, come up in the next hour. You know what I can't wait to hear? What? Your defensive play of the year and your MVP. Look at that. Look at that tease forward. Oh, Cliff is crushing it. That's right. We'll continue to give our thoughts not only on the best but also the worst. Don't forget, tune in tomorrow for College Basketball Action Louisville. Host Virginia. Coverage begins at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. We'll get you some of our thoughts on some of the most disappointing moments so far in the first half of the season, some of the disappointments across the league. But also, who's the MVP? Who's the Defensive Player of the Year? I think we'll get fired up about that. That's all coming up uh, in, in just a little bit on Spain and Fitz. We'll keep breaking down all the action you need. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and of course, Sirius XM, Channel 80. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain on vacation, the last day of her vacation. Jason Fitz flying solo for you tonight. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and all of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Now, 
there are certain times that we know that we need to pull up the bat phone and bring in some help. We need some expertise, and we're going to do that now. We're going to head straight over uh, to the Goodyear hotline for some fun because, as we've been telling you all day, don't forget you can tune in this Sunday for the 2021 NBA All-Star Game live from Atlanta, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. That's just part of a stacked sports weekend. So to break it all down from the angle that I need the most help with, our buddy from Bet and all across the betting platforms for ESPN, Joe Fortenbaugh, joins us. Joe, thanks for the time as always, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, you got better things in the middle. This Friday in Vegas, and you're hanging out with me. That means a lot. I appreciate you hanging out with us, my friend. Let's- yeah, buddy. What's good, Fitz? How you living? <laughs> I'm living the dream. Well, I'm in Connecticut. You're in Vegas. You're living the dream. Uh, but it, it's still, it, you know, it's good. It's good. Uh, my dream's a week- little warmer. We'll, we'll, we'll acknowledge <laughs> it. My dream's a little warmer right now, a little lighter. But don't worry. You guys are getting there. It's March. We're turning the corner. The number of times that we've been talking off air as a show staff about uh, the fact that the world's going to open back up and what we're all going to do to Vegas is going to be relentless. I'm just letting <laughs> yeah. you know, Joe. So if I if I happen to be passed out on your porch one day, it just means that I had a really good night and just put a blanket over me and, and, and pray. That's all we can do. We can't wait to have you. I mean, if there is a town built to celebrate post-COVID, it's this town right here. So when you guys are coming out, you let me know. We'll roll out the red carpet for you. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Now, I mentioned the All-Star game happening this weekend, and this is always tricky for me to try and figure out how to bet on. So let's start with the game itself because I, I can't imagine how you even approach an all-star game where defense is optional and the ending of the game is different than anything else in the NBA so what is the gamblers approach to the all-star game for the NBA all right first thing you got to remember still skills competition three-point dunk contest game all this stuff entertainment value right if you're going to be betting this treat it like you would the movies treat it like you would mm. anything like playing blackjack right how do you handicap an all-star game when guys might not necessarily be trying all that hard where they haven't ever played together right so there's a lot of factors here that can't be accounted for so i'd say two things when we start with the game if i'd be playing it i would play team lebron it opened at around minus two and a half it is up to three and a half so it's taking some money why look at their starting five Two great starting fives in this matchup, but LeBron has assembled a beast of a team. Himself, Giannis, that's crazy versatility. You bring in Luka, and more versatility. Now you got Steph shooting threes, and you got Jokic as the big man to counteract and beat on the other side. That team plus their bench, they look to me like they have a sizable edge. It's going to be a good game, but remember, the way it's played, you have the three quarters, and then you have the Elam ending, right? Whatever the lead is going into the fourth— tack on 24 points in honor of Kobe Bryant, and then the first one to that wins the game. There's no clock, so you have to keep that in mind. So there are a lot of funky aspects to this. If you want a a, a play for the guys who like to in-game wager, you will see the first three quarters alarming scoring, and the total, the in-game total, the over-under, will continue to rise. It will continue to go up. Right as you get to a point where you think it might be high enough, the over-under for the game set at 308.5, maybe you see it in-game at 315, 320, Play the under when you get close to the fourth quarter because that's when they D up. That's when they go after each other. That's when you're going to have a low-scoring quarter. That's a little tip for you from the Daily Wager crew, Doug Kazarian himself. That's his special. Look at that, Joe Fortenbaugh, just dropping all sorts of knowledge on that. That is spectacular. Now, I understand that, uh, that we can place uh, bets on the three-point contest but not on the dunk contest, correct? Correct. You can play the three-point contest. You can play the dunk contest offshore, but with Caesars William Hill, who we're partnered up with and with a lot of outfits in Vegas, you can't. Why? 
Look at the judging. Three-point contest, we know how that's going to be judged. Who makes the most, right? Who racks up the most points? Here's the clock. It's very fair. It's very obvious. It's tough to cheat. But when it comes to the guests, it's usually celebrities, people like Shaq, guys that are having a good time. And if you see the way they score it, sometimes it can get a little goofy, right? Sometimes they can give out a score that might be a little lower than expected because they're taking a dig at a guy. Maybe it's a little higher than expected because of the theatrics. Because of that element, It's compromised in the sense that you can't necessarily trust that the most accurate scores are going to be given because everyone's having fun. Let's be honest. It's not like anyone's trying to cheat, but that's why Vegas isn't going to book that action because of how it's judged. So you can't book the dunk contest. You can book the three-point contest. And if you want to play, I'd look to Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls before I'd look to anybody else. Right out of the gate, people are going to like Steph Curry, right? He's one of the best three-point shooters, if not the best three-point shooter of all time. But along those lines, he's been in this contest six times. He's only won it once, and he's your big-time favorite. Like, that's not a good enough price for me. Levine is having a huge year. Career-best points, rebounds, assists. He's shooting 43.5% from deep, which is the best in the field, and he's priced really well. He's plus 450, so he's right in the middle of the field. People like Devin Booker, he's got the worst three-point percentage of the group and the fewest attempts per game of everyone this year. People like Donovan Mitchell, I think he's going to press a little bit with the way LeBron and Durant snubbed him and Gobert in the draft process. And Jason Tatum's having his worst three-point shooting year of his four-year career. So if you want a good price, I think Zach Levine at plus 450 is a way to go. He's Joe Fortenbaugh. You're listening to Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz flying solo. So let's stick with the NBA for another one here, Joe. As we reach the halfway point, I know there's opportunities to look at who you think could win the championship, sort of a futures bet. So who stands out to you there? Philadelphia is 14 Ooh. to 1 right now. 14 to 1. Now, you, the, the thing you want to do in this business is you want to take these odds and you want to convert them to percentages. What does 14 to 1 mean? 14 to 1 means Philadelphia has a 6% chance to win the title. I think it's a little bit better than that. I got to be completely honest with you. They're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They're the best. They have the third best record in the NBA. They have a bona fide MVP candidate in Joel Embiid. They're top five in defensive rating. And I think Daryl Morey and the franchise are going to get aggressive come trade deadline and they're going to up this ante, especially if Blake Griffin lands with the Nets. 14 to 1. You're telling me you don't think they have a better than 6% chance of winning? If this were down around 5, 6 to 1, 8 to 1, I'm passing. But at 14 to 1, I look at that and I think the value is too good. I think there's an opportunity to make a good bet based on pricing. Philadelphia at 14 to 1 right now looks pretty good to me. I'm writing all this down. I'm going to buy the drinks when I come out to Vegas. All right, we're talking to Joe Fortenbaugh. I certainly wasn't going to buy him, Fitz. That was already implied, buddy boy. (laughs) We're making the company buy him. I don't know how we accomplished that. That's uh, how you do it. it We'll just just say it was Stephen A's idea, and everybody will go for it. That's that's You and I are having a meeting about future radio hits. (laughs) Air quotes in the air. You can't see it on radio, obviously. But I'm doing it at home like a weirdo where no one can see me. Oh, no. Radio, like, air quotes are, are heard. They're felt. You can feel you can them through feel the microphone. Yeah. All right, Joe. The, the other big event this weekend, obviously, is UFC 259. Uh, what stands out? Is there, is there one fight that you really like in this, uh, in this lineup? I've got three. I'm going to make a bet on all three title fights. Do you want me to rip through them, or do you want to go yeah, one by one? No, go for it. Rip. All right, let's rip. start with the main event, Israel Adesanya. I'm going to play him by KO, TKO, or DQ, plus 130. So a $100 bet would return 130 in profit if I hit. A submission by Adesanya is a loser. If it goes to the cards, I'm a loser. If Blahovich, excuse me, if he wins, I'm a loser. But if I get a stoppage by Adesanya or DQ, I win. There's a weight differential in this fight because Adesanya is coming up from middleweight to light heavyweight. There, by the time everyone hydrates, he could be down 20 pounds. And a lot of people think that's an advantage for Blahovich. I could see that. 
But I see it as an advantage for Adesanya. I think he's going to be faster. I think his conditioning is going to be better. And he's a superior technical fighter. So I think what's going to happen is early he's going to frustrate Blahovich. And that frustration is going to turn to panic. And the panic, because he's behind on the cards, is eventually going to turn to desperation. And that's going to open up an opportunity for Adesanya to end the fight. That's why I'm playing him by stoppage. KO, TKO, or DQ plus 130. Aljamain Sterling against Piotr Yan. Big time fight here. I'm playing Sterling. And most of the guys I know that do this for a living, they're going to be on Sterling as well. He's even money. He's the underdog. He's what I like to call a get-up fighter. He gets up for the big fights. When he's an underdog, when he's fighting for something like this, which is a championship fight, the biggest of his career, that's when he's at his best. When he's, at a, when he's a favorite or fighting an inferior fighter, that's when you tend to see him slip up. He's been a freight train as of late. Five straight wins, all in dominating fashion, highlighted by last summer's 88-second demolition of Corey Sanhagen, which has led to this fight. Now, Piotr Jan is legit, but let me walk you through something. He's the champion. He's won 10 straight fights. He's healthy. He's 28 years old, and he's a small favorite? That is a big red flag. Anytime someone comes in with credentials like that, you'd think they'd be a bigger favorite. But if he's a small favorite with all that, you know the, the other guy on the other side is legit. Aljamain Sterling, even money to win that fight over Piotr Jan. And then, finally, Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson. I like it to go over one and a half rounds. We got to go over one and a half rounds. It's minus 125. Anderson is a little bit of a different fighter when it comes to what Nunes is used to. And she's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But this fight's at 145. Anderson is going to weigh 145. She's legitimately going to have that weight. A lot of the opponents that Nunez has faced, they fight at 145, but they don't weigh 145. They weigh in the 130s, and that's a huge advantage for Nunez. Anderson can take a punch. She can throw a punch. We just need to get into one and a half rounds for this to cash. I'm going over one and a half, Nunez and Anderson. Look at that. That's dropping. So here's the real question, Joe. Like, we walk up to the doors of UFC 259, and, you know, I'm, I'm in a nice suit. Like, I'm kind of looking like maybe I'm your, your, your side guy. Like, I'm part of your, your entourage, maybe. Yeah, like, buddy. I'm just part of the group. We just walk right in, right? Like, we just, nobody, nobody questions, because, you know, I got you. Maybe we'll bring Doug, too. Like, so the three of us just walk right in, like, you know. Doug will be the one that opens the doors. Doug will be the one leading it. He'll be like Vince Vaughn and Swingers. I'll be like John Favreau, all broken up, messy, sloppy. You can come in as the... As Sue with the hair and the gun and he's popping off in the parking lot getting everybody in trouble that'll be the three of us I, look I'm all in but as long as Doug's buying the drinks now we've yeah, got Doug we'll, buying we'll the drinks we've down. got it perfect yeah. Joe we'll as hype, always we gotta my hype friend. him up all weekend it's like Doug man you're doing great by the way how about another beer <laughs> yeah yeah I'm doing great I will get another beer for you guys great to have oh you with me <laughs> what it would in our mind, we would look like that. In in reality, we'd be a lot closer to like day three of the movie The Hangover. Like we, yeah. that that's where we'd be. Like somebody's be missing three guys teeth. that look like Ed Helms. Idea. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, my friend, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much for coming on with us. Stay safe out there. Love you, buddy. Thanks for having me. Have a great weekend. Be sure to check out Daily Wager with Joe Fortenbaugh and all the guys. They do great work out there. I love getting you some betting and expertise, and I'll be honest. like Since it's something that I'm new to dabbling in, I'm not going to lie to you. We'll bring experts on that will help you figure it all out. Coming up next, one of the most recognizable names at ESPN is trolling all of you, and you're falling for it. We'll help you avoid the trap next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. Hoodwinked. You're getting trolled. And you're falling for it. But it's okay. It's part of the joy of draft season. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo tonight. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests have joined us on the Goodyear Hotline. If you've missed any of them, you can go check it out. The Spain and Fitz podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Todd McShay is in the zone. Get in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Todd McShay is always in the zone because his mock drafts are spectacular. We all know it. It's part of what we love to read. But I think this year more than ever, Todd, who's a buddy, by the way, so I can say this with love, I think Todd's trolling everybody. At this point, he's getting everybody worked up. If you haven't seen his latest mock draft, number one overall, Trevor Lawrence, makes a ton of sense. Number two overall to the New York Jets, Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. We'll get to that in a second. Number three overall in the draft, Carolina, through a trade, gets Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. Okay. Number four overall, the Atlanta Falcons take Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State. He's got the top four picks, all being quarterbacks, and y'all are falling for it. Everybody's buying into the hype. Everybody's absolutely in on this all the way. In fact, Todd's even got Mac Jones, quarterback, Alabama, going number nine overall to San Francisco. Now think about that. Five of the top ten picks being quarterbacks? Four, the first four picks being quarterbacks? Stunning. Stunning work and great work by Todd because it's getting all of you to to click on it. It's getting everybody to think about it. It's bringing more attention to these names and these quarterbacks you're trying to learn because this is the year of quarterback chaos, but I told you before. What do you do when you're not going to get the movement? See, y'all are going to switch your focus quickly. When we get to the beginning of free agency and you realize that suddenly all of this quarterback movement we thought was going to reset the entire landscape of the league isn't really happening, then what are you going to do? Now you're going to look at the draft, and you're going to become draft-obsessed. But the reality of it is, there's a very simple answer to this year's draft. Very simple. There is one quarterback that you give up anything you possibly have to to take. That's Trevor Lawrence, and he's going to go first overall. Everything else is a crapshoot. In fact, McShay even admitted that it's not easy to figure out what the quarterbacks look like other than Trevor when he said this. We all know about Trevor. Zach Wilson is kind of this unique character, but he also doesn't have the big game experience like Fields does. You've got Trey Lance, who played at the FCS level and just started 17 games. And Fields, for playing two years at a big-time program, he did a lot of great things. But then you look at the Indiana game, the Northwestern game, the, the national championship game against Alabama. He just didn't play at a really high level. So it's tough to evaluate these four guys and kind of compare one against the other after you get past Trevor. Let me remind you, Field Yates told us all last week on Twitter – From 2009 to 2016, not a single quarterback that was drafted in the first round remains with their team. 0 for 22. Going to see a lot more of the same here. Let's go back to what Todd just said when he he broke down some of these quarterbacks. Zach Wilson for BYU absolutely had an incredible year. But he had an incredible year in the weirdest of all years. And taking nothing away from it, the level of competition for BYU the year before was tougher. And he wasn't as good. I mean, Zach Wilson has had some incredible moments. There is a lot to love about this kid as quarterback. But I'm not going to suddenly turn in and say that this is it. This is the guy. In fact, EJ Manuel, who works for the ACC Network, told me earlier in the season when I was hosting one of the college football shows I work on, he said, look, we've been watching him for years, and his ability to throw from wherever he is with different trajectory with his arm makes him special. He's very Mahomes-like. I'm going to say Mahomesian, right? I get that we want to make that comparison, but there's a gigantic leap And none of that would be known right now. I mean, you'd be taking a flyer on it. Then you think about the other quarterback, Justin Fields. He just mentioned how difficult it is to look at Fields based on the Indiana game this year. Well, last time I checked, this was COVID. Guys didn't even know that they were playing. And then they found out they were playing. And then week in and week out, they didn't know who was playing, whether they'd be able to practice, how they were getting there. 
You mentioned struggles in the national championship game. I covered that game. Fields was beyond dinged up. I mean, he was legitimately hurt. I don't think that we have enough evidence on any of these guys to know for sure what we're really looking for. And Trey Lance, look, I love a great comeback story. I love a great underdog story. I love a great unheard of story. But this happens all the time. Trey Lance absolutely had a great year last year. But I was out there with game day. I was traveling with game day at the site of North Dakota State, South Dakota. Right? We, we covered that game. And not once when I was hanging around were any of the guys saying, hey, take this minute, soak it in. You're looking at a top five pick in next year's draft. That just it wasn't there. And then he plays one game this year where, of course, he looked a little weird, looked a little rusty. I mean, when you haven't played and you only play one game. So we have no idea. Like, there's just so little proof of concept on most of this. Now, McShay was asked the difference between Fields and Wilson. This is what he said. Fields is so, you know, he's physically gifted. He has a big arm. He has good football intelligence. He's been developed properly with Ryan Day. But he, he likes to see his receiver open versus when I watch when I watch Wilson, he can throw a receiver open. And I think that's probably the biggest difference. And look, I love Todd's analysis on all of this, but I'll be honest with you guys. I hope that this run doesn't happen. Because if you want these quarterbacks to have the opportunity to succeed, they're going to have to be in situations. Zach Wilson and Trey Lance are going to both have to be in situations where they get the opportunity to grow into their role. When you're picked third, fourth in the draft, when you're constantly compared to the other quarterbacks that you were lumped in with, Man, the pressure cooker on that out of the gates from day one, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good for the players. It's not going to be good for the teams. I hope in this instance, as much as I love Todd, I hope he's wrong. And I think he's trolling everybody to get you overhyped about the quarterback position. And it would be best for them if they had the opportunity to fall a little farther in the draft and get a more realistic expectation coming up. All right, that's, that's one side of the quarterback conversation. We'll give you more on that. Plus, Blake Griffin is a free agent. Where's he going to land? We'll tell you. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo tonight. Don't forget the college basketball season's heating up. That means the Wendy's Wooden Watch has begun. Go to ESPN.com and search Wooden Watch for the list of Wooden Award late season top 20 nominees to watch as this season rolls on. It's the John R. Wooden Award presented by Wendy's. Also, shameless plug, you can check out Countdown to Game Day wherever you watch ESPN digitally, so YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, the ESPN app, any of those places, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Tomorrow morning, I'll be hanging out with Christine Williamson, as I do every Saturday, for Countdown to Game Day. We get you ready for Reese and the guys on game day, not just during college football season, but also during college basketball season. Always got some great guests there, too, so be sure to hang out with us. Speaking of basketball, a little NBA news. As Blake Griffin has agreed to a buyout with the Pistons, he is now going to be free to go wherever he wants, he can be sort of squeezed in anywhere depending on the cap situations. I know there's a compl- lot of complications, but, man, this seems really simple to me. I mean, I've looked at a couple different articles that say, what are the best landing spots for Blake Griffin? Is there really any landing spot he would want more than the Lakers? Hear me out. Hear me out. If you're Blake and you're going somewhere and you can go to the very place, the very city, the very arena that you once committed to, after they showed you the hype video and told you how much they loved you and that they were committed to winning a championship with you there. That's what the Clippers did, remember. And then they shipped him out of town. So now you have your opportunity to go back to that city for the other brand, the bigger brand, 
to go back to that uh, stadium, the arena, for the other brand, the bigger brand, and not only win an NBA championship, because I still believe that the Lakers are destined to do that with or without Blake, you go out there, you're going to be a key part of that lineup. You won't be asked to do too much. You can just find that role. You can go in, you can do your thing, and then when you get that NBA championship ring in that arena, you can turn around and raise both middle fingers to the organization and the Clippers that you felt did, did you wrong. This is the ultimate revenge scenario. I know that a lot of people keep looking at the, the Nets, and everybody seems to think that because he wants a ring, he's going to prior, prioritize going to Brooklyn. Okay, he can get a ring in Los Angeles, too, the last time I checked. So, given that the Lakers are obviously the Lakers at this point, they've been built to try and win championships year in and year out with this roster, why would you not want to go to the same spot? Why would you not want to go to that city and have your opportunity to run it back and get the ultimate revenge? Winning a championship in Brooklyn won't be a kick to the no-no places for Clippers fans. Winning a championship for the Lakers absolutely will. Not just to fans, but to everybody within that organization. It is the ultimate chance to just get your running head start and kick the Clippers where it counts. That's why I think Blake Griffin is going to be a Laker. Spade and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Jason Fitz flying solo. Also should be noted that uh, Miami is listed as an option for Blake for a lot of teams too. Makes a lot of sense. Who wouldn't want to play in Miami? And obviously I don't want to take anything away from the Heat. I just believe in revenge. I like the drama. You guys know that. Come on. I'm a below deck fan. I want, you know, I want all of my dramatic TV opportunities. I like the NBA to feed that for my soul. Where I don't love drama is in college football around awful topics. And that's what's happened for LSU. We talked about it a lot last night as uh, sexual uh, misconduct allegations have come out against Les Miles, who was then the coach at LSU in 2013. And we're just hearing about it because it's part of a larger probe uh, that the university is doing about the culture and what was being accepted behind the scenes in uh, the way they acted. Now, when we talked about it last night, one of the things we learned is that the school was going to be talking to us today. And in that process, we'd learn even more. What we've learned is a little disturbing. I shouldn't say a little disturbing. It's a lot disturbing. As we find out that Joe Oliva, who was the athletic director at LSU, was aware of this to the point that he actually recommended firing Les Miles all the way back when this was happening. This is Brody Miller, LSU beat reporter for The Athletic, talking about what the university knew and the action they tried to take. Joe Oliva was always kind of pointed to as the big bad or, you know, he's one of the most disliked people in Baton Rouge, if we're being quite honest. And I do not think this report makes him come away looking good or anything like that. But I think the big surprise was that in 2013, when the investigation to Les Miles was happening internally about his you know sexual harassment of several student workers, Joe Oliva actually wrote to the former president that, you know, he believed they should fire Les Miles with cause and they had cause in his opinion. And, you know, basically, you know, some follow-up reporting basically indicates that he basically didn't get enough support to do that, and they didn't want to pay the $15 million if it was a haggled legal issue and all that. So I think finding out that Joe Oliva wanted to fire Les Miles in 2013 over that investigation was, was pretty shocking, quite frankly. Think about what you just heard. They didn't want to pay the $15 million buyout and the legal fees that it would take. Would they even hesitate if they were paying that money because Les Miles was losing games? Would they have even taken a breath to think about it? To go to the donors and say, hey, we've got to get rid of this guy. He's not winning enough games. If it was about, at that point, his win-loss record, would the buyout have even really been a part of the conversation? We see massive buyouts paid in college football every single year. So what you just hear in that, when he doesn't get enough support, is that winning games matters more than the culture you're creating behind the scenes. We know that. 
But this is such a, a slap in the face to anybody that thinks that the priorities are in the right place. I want you to hear specifically, this is the quote, and this is from an email they found in their investigation. And this is the email that was sent from Joe Oliva. At that point, he's the athletic director, and he's, uh, he's emailing this to the LSU president at the time. This is a quote. I want us to think about which scenario is worse for LSU, explaining why we let him go or explaining why we let him stay. I think we have cause. I specifically told him not to text, call, or be alone with any student workers, and he obviously didn't listen. I know there are many possible outcomes and much risk either way, but I believe it is in the best interest in the long run to make a break. I want to break that down for you because what you hear from Joe Oliva in this email is, I think we have cause. What you hear is a very realistic, what's worse, explaining why we're firing because we found this or explaining why we didn't fire. Well, we're about to find the answer to that because LSU has a lot of explaining to do. And then he says, I specifically have told him not to text, call, or be alone with any student workers. He obviously didn't listen because this isn't the first time it came up. So think about this. The reporting that we're finding out is showing that they, as a university, were investigating Les Miles without involving anybody else, which violates protocol. They were trying to do it as quietly as possible, again, violating protocol, that they have multiple witnesses. They've seen text exchanges. They've seen all of this, and they buried it. Now, I said yesterday, and I'll say again, LSU is giving us this press conference right now in honor of transparency, yet they knew all of this was coming and have decided not to say anything about these allegations all the way back from 2013, even when they knew that this was coming. Let's not for a single second trick ourselves into thinking that LSU is sorry for anything that happened. LSU is sorry they got caught. It's a definitive difference. They're sorry that they got caught trying to sweep this under the rug. But now what? I mean, how far are we supposed to go in looking at the culture of LSU when you know this? When you know that a coach that was fired ultimately because it was believed that he could not find a way to compete with Nick Saban. He just couldn't beat Bama. So to be clear, if you can't beat Bama, you're going to get fired. If you're going to sexually harass all of the women that work for you, you get to keep your job. Look, I'm not dumb. I understand the way college football works. As much as I work in college football, you know that. I'm around this culture all the time. And I understand that winning is the ultimate thing. It cures all evils. I understand that people will find reasons to excuse the behavior of coaches, so on and so forth. And I understand that there's very little we can do about that. But if we don't demand accountability when we can demand accountability, we'll never do anything about it. Just because that's the way it goes doesn't mean that that's the right way. And just because there may not be anything we can do to change that culture today doesn't mean we don't speak out about it when we see it. Because if we stop speaking, then ultimately the culture always wins in that situation. We will always lose the discussion if we don't stand up and throw it back at everybody and say, I want specific answers. That's what I'm lacking right now from LSU. See, even in this reporting, what we're finding out, we're finding out because there are so many eyeballs and so many investigations and so many lawyers that LSU simply can't hide it anymore. So forgive me for not giving LSU any benefit of the doubt in the way that they handle it moving forward. Forgive me for not giving Les Miles an ounce of doubt in how it moves forward, and I will include Kansas, his current employer. Where are you in this? Sitting quietly? No, you don't get to do that. This is all out on the table now. 
and the only way that anybody involved should earn any respect is if they are transparent about what they knew, when they knew, why they handled it the way they did, and why it wasn't the right path. I want to hear LSU come out and and tell us who specifically decided not to fire Les Miles. Now that we know that the athletic director had recommended it in writing, I want to know who decided not to fire him and why. And most importantly, I want to know what recourse happens in that. This is one of those instances where you can't just tell me how you're going to change and how you're going to learn from it. You've got to come out and flat out own up to the mistakes you made and how you got here. I'm still waiting for that, LSU. And until you do that, LSU, Les Miles, and even Kansas, until all of you come out transparently, tell us what you knew, how you got there, and how you're going to fix it, you don't deserve any respect. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. All right, we've been giving out some awards. We'll continue with the Defensive Player of the Year, the MVP, and who are our biggest letdowns. We'll get you some NBA superlatives coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo. It's Friday edition. We're having a little bit of fun. And as a result of that fun, Sarah, by the way, on vacation, she'll be back with us Monday. So fear not. Fear not. Sarah will be back rested, relaxed. Hopefully she'll be back. uh, Well, I know she'll be back in a great mood because she'll be hanging out with me. And let's go. In the meantime, we'll get get some some superlatives going. We had this going earlier. Some midseason points of the NBA season. So let's give out some awards. We saved the biggest, a couple of the biggest ones uh, for for later in the show. So we've already given out a bunch. If you missed them, go check out the Spain and Fitz podcast. Uh, You can get that wherever you get your podcast. It'll be up later tonight. Cliff, are you ready to continue handing out hardware? What do our trophies look like? Like... Is it for our trophies for this show? Like, does it look like me or does it look like Sarah? Does it have both of us on it? Like, what what kind of trophy so, would Cliff be? We like really psyched to get after a game. So, since Sarah says she can beat you up all the time, it probably has to look like her, just like putting her foot on you and stepping on you. Would that work? That's probably if, oh, like it's sort of like she's got the Captain Morgan uh, yeah. like, <laughs> like pose, and barrel. I'm just sitting down there. I'm about yeah. to say you're the barrel. She's the captain. She's the Captain yeah. Morgan guy. That's <laughs> I probably. Think, I think it has fun. to look like that. Yeah, I'm not even disagreeing with that. I have, I have just no pride. All right, <laughs> right. Anyways, Which, uh, what award do you want to give out here anyways, first? All right, listen, it's time to get to the cream of the crop. This award. There's already been a player in the league who's claimed that he's the best defensive player in the league, and wants this award. I want to know if you're going to give him his proper credit because I actually agree with him. Now, give me your defensive player of the year. Yeah, you're so wrong about this. Uh, the defensive player of the year obviously belongs uh, to Rudy Gobert. Utah Jazz. Rudy Gobert, uh, I'm going to give the Jazz a little bit more love here. Not only is my man averaging, what, a little over 13 rebounds a game and, what, 2.8 blocks per game, almost three blocks a game, but absolutely, I mean, just a guy that is getting it done on both ends. But particularly, man, he's absolutely all over the rim. I I cannot, there is no way that I cannot give it to, I know who you're going to say deserves it, but I'm going Rudy Gobert all day. Fitz, come come on. You you know who this belongs to. You know this award belongs in the city of Philadelphia. Ben Simmons has put people in jail. He's put people in the penitentiary this year. He has to be defensive player of the year this year. There's no way he's not. Yeah, I mean, he's good defensively, but I mean you you no, you need one stuff, you're taking Rudy. You're taking Rudy. No, I'm not. I mean, Rudy, Rudy, also, Rudy, by the Rudy way. got posterized the other night, got 40 points put on him, got embarrassed all over the court in Philadelphia by Joel Embiid. Two, two-time defensive player of the year, by the way. And uh, uh, if uh, he, he, could, he could win, uh, he, could, he's in, in, he ranks in the top three in the league in rebounds and blocks. Cool. Come on. Cool story, bro. 
But he's, not, he's not the defensive player of the year. Shit. <laughs> Anyways. See, you're shooting too low for defensive player of the year for your particular. Wow. Let's get to the next one. Listen, let's get. This is the most important one, Fitz. Now, I know you're not going to get this wrong. I, no one in the world should get this wrong. If you've been watching basketball all season long, you cannot get this one wrong. Now, tell me, who's your NBA MVP? Right now, there is one player in the NBA that takes over games better than all the others. There's one player that's doing it not just offensively, but also defensively. There's one player that's playing all around basketball that's lifting his team up to this level. He's averaging 29 points, 11 boards, shooting 52% for the field, absolutely having a beast of a year. Joel Embiid is the MVP. I, I will say that all day long. Joel MVP. Look, Harden's, if, if they're, you want the offensive player of the year, fine. Go ahead and give it to James Harden. I have no problem with that for right now. Let's see how it plays out as the season goes on. And, and I know that everybody's in love with the numbers that Harden's putting up. Harden isn't even trying on the defensive side. Like, I love that one stop a game and they'll be like, oh, it's good defensive play. No, no, he's not even trying to play on the other end. So the fact that Embiid could make a case for both defensive and offensive player of the year makes him the MVP. There, there is no more dominant player in the NBA right now than Joel Embiid. Look at you proving your basketball knowledge. I'm proud of you. It looks like I teach you something, huh? Look at that. You taught me something. Uh, I, also, I, I presume way, you agree with me on this. I 100% agree with you. Also, by the way, you are so locked into football that you gave James Harden an imaginary award. Well, well, no, I know that there is no offensive player of the year. I'm just saying if you wanted to give him that award, I should have made that clear. I am aware there is no offensive player of the year. I just think that that's the one thing he does good. I was making my point not very effectively, obviously, so I appreciate that, Cliff. I, uh, I do. You got the I Friday do. blues, don't you? You ready to get out of here, huh? <laughs> Anyways. No, you, by the way, where are you on Doc at this point? Like, Because, you know, obviously change isn't always great. I say that all the time, change for the sake of change, but, you know, Doc seems to have the pulse of this thing. He didn't have much to upgrade from. Let's just put it that way. The last guy that was in that <laughs> position wasn't a. He wasn't him. He was, I wasn't the biggest fan of him for a while. So uh, oh, I Doc, loved his accent. Yeah, <laughs> Doc was a, is a tremendous upgrade. Anyways, let's get to your biggest disappointments of the year. What what team are you super disappointed in this season so far? Uh, the Celtics. I think the Celtics are the biggest disappointment of the year. And you know, I got to be honest, man. If there's a team that I think is going to blow everything up soon, it's it's Boston. And, and something's got to change at some point. Uh, I always say it's hard to find all star players, not hard to find great coaches. And look at the difference for your Seventy Sixers that we've seen by a change in voice, right? So uh, as much as I don't necessarily believe that Brad Stevens is the problem, I'm not 100% sure that you don't have to make a change just because what else are you going to do at this point? So the Celtics are absolutely ripping everybody's heart out. I, I, I would say they're the most disappointing team in the NBA right now. Is, is there also, also Fitz, you want to know about their core four of the Celtics? You want to know how many games Marcus Smart, Kimba Walker, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown have played together all season long? Oh, yeah, give me this. How 28 many? minutes total. Oof, 28 minutes, that is that's it. That is rough. Anyways, That's, we got to move that, on because look, we I feel don't for that much you. Time. I feel for you, but you know, in Boston, can't get away with being as bad as they are. You're, you're right about the uh, the lack of time together, but you know, that's just part of the current culture of the NBA, given the way things have gone. I mean, we talked about that last year with the Clippers going into the playoffs, where they played like what eleven minutes all year together as they start in groups. So that just sort of happens right now. Exactly. Let's move on to a player you're particularly disappointed in. Well, I think that, you know, there there was so much love coming in to what a lot of us expected from Lonzo. I mean, uh, obviously we gave LaMelo a lot of love earlier, but Lonzo Ball is just, he's disappeared. That's the best way I can say it. And that's 
it's such a disappointment for the amount of hype. Like it wasn't that long ago that everything the Ball family did was we were leading Sports Center on Snapchat every night with Alonzo highlight because there was this belief that even if he couldn't shoot, he was going to be dynamic enough. Like as funny looking as the shot is, it was going to be okay because he makes plays and he's just disappeared. He's he's become worse than bad. He's become irrelevant in the conversation in the NBA. So I, I'd say he's on the the top of my list. You good with that? Love it. I actually really do love it. Um, is there is there a particular player that you're actually disappointed in, not because of performance, but because of how much you haven't seen this player? Yeah, I think KD stands out as the most disappointing. It's lost opportunity, right? I mean, we, we know that KD is going to make the Nets look different. We're just sitting here waiting for it. And I feel like I'm at the premiere of a movie, and all of a sudden what I'm seeing is just trailer after trailer after trailer. And I know that everything coming out is going to be spectacular, but God, I just want to see this movie the way it was intended to be seen. So KD has the opportunity to be the ultimate villain this year for so many of us that watch the NBA. I just want to see that happen, and I haven't seen it happen. I also get in quick uh, another disappointment for me, Cliff. Young players that aren't equaling wins. I am in love with John Morant's game. I, I have been since the day he came into the league. And we all know that Zion is going to be a, a beast for a long time. They're both putting up incredible, incredible numbers, and it just doesn't matter. Their teams still stink. And that's the, the, the frustrating part of it is everybody looks at how you turn things around in the NBA. I'm not sure what the easiest answer is uh, you know, at this point. So uh, disappointment there. By the way, we got some breaking news. Kansas, I just called him out on it. They have put less miles on leave. So Kansas has put less miles on leave while they investigate uh, the, the information we're finding out as LSU gives us more info. So good move by Kansas, at least starting to be proactive to figure out what they're going to do because they will be under the magnifying glass as well. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us all week. Obviously, have a great, safe, wonderful weekend. Stick around. Freddie and Fitzsimmons coming up next. Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan both joining the guys today. You don't want to miss it. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.